0: Is the first save of the match from Sogahata. Finally, Cassio now whips in a dangerous ball! And Ray right, leg. Robbie Cornthwaite! Unfinished business! He's done it! And was anyone ever else going to do it, Mike? The dream comes true for Robbie Cornthwaite! moment for a young player in their football career Sogahata rooted to the spot finally a good cross from Cassio, and Robbie Corthwaite redemption is complete, Adelaide are closer what a moment for Robbie Corthwaite, the best moment of his career I'm sure G'day guys, and welcome to yet another segment of Red and Legends, where I interview Adelaide United's legendary players here in the couch in our studio. Today, I am joined by Robbie Cornthwaite. Robbie, how have you been? It's fantastic to see that you're back in Adelaide. Thanks so much for dropping by. Um, The fans have sorely missed you since 2011. Um, Tell us how, just briefly, how things have been coming back here in Adelaide for you. Yeah, it's been good. Um, Just settling back into life in
1: Adelaide. Obviously, spent seven, eight years away uh, from my home city. Uh, Um, obviously spent some time in Sydney with Western Sydney and and overseas as well so Adelaide's always been home for me Um, it's fantastic to get back here finally get my family home set up uh, up in the Adelaide Hills and just really enjoying uh, life away from football I suppose in some Some degree, so yeah, settled in well and just enjoying being back in Adelaide.
0: Fantastic to hear, mate. I'm going to take you all the way back to the beginning. So, Robbie, you were born in Blackburn, which is uh, considered a working-class city in England, where uh, it's often said that football is a form of of escapism, as opposed to uh, being a realistic choice of career for prospective footballers. At what age had you made up your mind that you wanted to pursue football professionally and did moving to Australia impact your mindset at all, given football in Australia wasn't professional until the first A-League season, which was coincidentally your first ever professional season?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I was quite young when I came over from, uh, from, from England. Um, I, was, I think I was just a toddler, so obviously that wasn't really in my mindset. But um, my dad was obviously a diehard Blackburn Rovers fan. He went to all the games, home and away, uh, you know, across a 5-10 year period growing up. Um, so, he, he obviously wanted me to play football and uh, he introduced me to the game and like any young kid, like I was always wanting to be a professional footballer. Mm. Blackburn, obviously, when I was growing up, had a great side, won the Premier League, uh, Alan Shearer was my hero, um, and was, even. Yeah, you know, Robbie Slater, I've spoken to Robbie Slater about yeah. Blackburn plenty of times, and then, you know, we've had Lucas Neal, Vinnie Grella, and Everton and, and the other guys go through there as well, so... Um, you know, always just wanted to be a footballer, whatever that was in Australia. Then you know that's what I wanted to be, and yeah, I think at one stage I said to my dad, "Oh, I just want to play one game on Highmarsh Stadium. That was my dream." Wow. So yeah, pretty much ticked that off, and everything else was a bonus. <laughs> Far right.
0: There you go. So um, just quickly tell us um, how, at what age had you gotten into Adelaide City? That was your junior club. Yeah. Um, was that from a relatively young age? Um, had you been noticed by anyone playing? Um, where you'd grown up, um, how did it come about for you to join City? Yeah, well, I grew up in the northern suburbs, sort of like a Para Vista, it's a small suburb, sort of like Modbury area.
1: Yeah. Um, and I was playing for Valley View in the Elizabethan districts, um, playing as a striker. That was from under sixes to about, I was about nine, ten years old, so three, four years. And my mum was actually the one that said, Oh, you know, I think you're decent, like mm-hmm. any mum uh, kind of things. Yeah. And she wanted me to go and try trial for Adelaide City, um, but they had already had their trials, and they said, oh, listen, you have to wait till next year, uh, but my mum, being the way that she is, she called them maybe another three or four times, and they probably got sick of her, so they <laughs> said, just bring him down, he can train, we'll have a look at him, and okay. then, um, yeah, just went down there and trained, and ended up joining the under-10s straight away, and immediately they moved me into a defence, yep. I think they saw how tall I was, and thought, you know, he'll make a good centre-half. And I just remember being like, oh, okay, no worries. Like, I didn't think too much of it. Um, and then, yeah, so from 10 all the way through to the first team. Trained a couple of times with the NSL side uh, when I was probably like, <coughs> sorry, sixteen, seventeen. 17. And then that was kind of like right when the NSL folded. So, yeah, I was there for nearly eight, nine years, something like that. Beautiful.
0: Well, um, I'm going to take you back to uh, basically the beginning of uh, the era of Adelaide United in the A-League, which is uh, very significant for you, obviously. So tell us how it came to be that you found yourself on John Cosmina's radar as Adelaide United was gearing up for its first ever A-League season in 2005. Yeah, I was playing local competition. I ended up
1: uh, winning when I played for Enfield. Um, Milan Ivanovich was the coach at the time. Okay, um, and I was, I'd just left school, so I was working full time for a company called Diggers Australia as a, as a stormer. So I was driving forklifts and stuff like yeah. that. And one day, John, because actually called my dad um, and said, "Oh, we've got a friendly game. Um, I think it was against like Tokyo Verde or something like that." Okay. Um, we need some extra players. Can you come down? So I came. I played a game, um, and then pretty much from there, they said, "Oh, listen, we've got a massive lead into this new competition, the A League. Um, can you train and, and basically trial?" So my, I quit my job, and my dad said, oh, "I'll just support you for like however long." Mm-hmm. And it took eight months. Yeah. So basically, I trained like full time with the side for about eight months, unpaid, and then it was basically yeah, because he gave me a one year deal um, to be part of the inaugural A League side. So that was a bit of a dream come true. And I think it was a blessing because, um, you know, back then, and I think still now, you had to have three under-20 players in your mm. squad. And because the league was new, I don't think they really went out and found the best players in Australia, like from the AOS and that. Mm. I think they just saw, like, it's a cheap option, let's get a couple of local boys. So it was me, Tony Hatzis, Michael Matriciani. Yep. Um, obviously living at home, didn't have to put anyone up and we will sign minimum uh, wage deals. So I'm sure now they go and source the best young players from AIS, Joey's, Victoria, wherever, and not really worried about that. So I
0: think it was just, ideally, it was good timing for me. Um, just going back to driving forklifts around, mm. um, fast forwarding 10 years, yeah. did you ever used to think back and think like what it might have been for you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I
1: mean, now that I think about it, I actually quit that job like a day before John Cosmino. That week when John Cosmina called me, so it's just a strike and yourself. I was going to go and work making uh, house frames. I okay. uh, can't remember the name of the company, but I had a few mates that worked there, so I was like, "Oh, I'll just go and work with them and do that there." Right. So, well, I could easily ten years later. I mean, I did want to go to union stuff. It was yeah. only going to be for a year or two working, um, but yeah, I, mean, I could just be working in a factory now. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it would no. be a completely different life to what I live. Yeah, it's
0: very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so uh, we'll move forward there Robbie So uh, tell us about the memories you have uh, For the following two seasons You were young and you'd been given the status of being a squad player yep. Nevertheless it was a very eventful next two seasons We went deep into the 5 final series After finishing top and uh, had to endure the horning 2006-07 6-0 loss to Melbourne Victory mm. uh, like, like previously stated um, You were sort of more of a squad player at this time Obviously still yep. very young But um, I'm sure you've got plenty of memories to take out from that
1: period Yeah I do I mean obviously I was you know, I think I only played... I've got a terrible memory when it comes to my own <laughs> career, I've got to say, but I think the first year I only played two games. Yeah. Um, and that was as a fullback as well? As a right-back, yeah. And then one of them was the last game of the season away against Wellington, or... Okay. Um, New Zealand Knights. New Zealand Knights, sorry. Yep. Uh, and then the very next game was the first final against Sydney FC, and it was over two legs. And I kept my, my, my position in the team, and I started at Highmarsh, and I remember I think Sasha Petrovsky might have scored... I'm sure the fans can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> As I said, I can hardly remember. But, um, yeah, that was a, that was amazing for me to, like, get my debut. And then almost within a week or two, I was playing in a, in a final. Huge game. A uh, huge yeah. game. So, And obviously, Sydney and Adelaide were, like, a huge rivalry yeah. at that time. That was, like, the big rivalry in the A-League. And um, most of my memories from those sort of years are, um, uh, you know, like, just... Training alongside Ross Aloisi, Richie Aligic, Valkanis, Carl Viet, Vidmar, all these types of guys. And, you know, they were like the senior players I looked up to then. And, you know, I I think I said it the other day um, to someone I was very timid when I was young Mm. and I was quite soft. Um, I probably wasn't hard enough, certainly not like coming up against those type of players. Yeah, sure. And and Cozzy used to get stuck into me a fair bit about it. Few less than kind words, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, obviously I grew
0: out of that. And once I got my confidence and stuff, you know, I wasn't afraid to fly in a few tackles. Um, did it surprise you how successful we'd been so early on in those first two seasons?
1: Yeah, I don't know whether it was because Adelaide United sort of had that base from before the A League, like they came in was at last season of the NSL. Yeah. Um, they sort of built that core of fans. Um, you know, that friendly family club retained a lot of the players. Um, and it was a very local-based side. I know they, you know, I think there was probably like 15 more South Aussies in that side. It was, you know, everyone was from Adelaide pretty much. So yeah, I mean, we just had a good spirit, and I can remember just like, you know, we were, there was almost, a, I feel like there was almost a fight every game. Like yeah. there was proper, like you know, shirt grabbing and coming together.s And yeah, we weren't a side that was afraid to um to mix it with the the best of them. So yeah, we were just a very very you know, battle-hardened, winning sort of team. I remember the five-a-side games used to play with, like, Ruthless, Ange yeah, yeah, and all these yeah. guys. Yeah, out the back, there's that little bit of grass out the back yeah. of the stand. We used, used to, to that, play five-a-sides yeah. out there, and, like, it used to be brutal, so I think we just took that into the in the games on the weekend.
0: Yeah, right. Um, was Was there one of the centre-halves, Ange Costanzo, Mark Wavalkanis, Christian Rees even, mm-hmm. um, that took you under their wing more so than the others, or did you just sort of learn equally from everyone? Yeah, I think probably,
1: uh, no, I don't know where they took me out of their wings. Certainly, uh, Michael Vulcanis, yeah. um did a lot for me, and Richie yeah. Aligic as well. They're probably the two that most, uh, you know, that come to mind when helping me out. Uh, obviously, Richie was a right-back, and I was playing a lot more right-back, but, um, you know, I looked up to Michael Valkanis as well as a centre-half, a real sort of man, I like to say, at the back, uh, real hard at it, a winner, didn't like to lose, wanted to win every tackle. Um, yeah, and he was good for my development as well. But um, almost, you know, you know, I was almost had a bit of fear that I'd make a mistake and they'd they'd yell at me or get stuck into me and then that would almost make me play better because I didn't want to get yelled at, (laughs) you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, I think they were probably the two, Richie and and Michael Verkanis.
0: Wow, there you go. Mm. Um, So you didn't break into the team as a regular starter at Adelaide until the magical 2008-09 season, during which time the club had to contend with playing on three different fronts in the Asian Champions League, FIFA Club World Cup and the A-League. Was it a point of frustration for you having to bide your time over the course of two seasons? Or did you feel that this meant you learned what you needed to as an understudy in training sessions uh, without the cameras on you, etc.? To be honest, I think I was probably just happy to be there. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's the right
1: mentality to have. You know, if I'd tell people to be like that now, I'd probably not. But, um, you know, I kind of, like, knew my place. Like, I never really thought I was that good. Yeah. Uh, as a youngster, I probably lacked confidence. I didn't think my touch was that great. Um, so I probably had a lot of work to do. And, um, you know, those two years of... You know, not having that pressure of playing week in, week out might have helped me. I don't know. Um, in saying that, you know, I was only on a one-year deal. Then the following year, one-year deal. So year, contracts. one deal, deal. Yeah. So I was always like, you know, under sort of, you know, am I going to get resigned next year? But at the same time, like I said, I think the timing, everything for me in my career has just been about timing. And I think the timing of me becoming a professional at the start of the A League. It was probably perfect because you know they're like, oh, Robbie's young, he's from Adelaide, he's cheap, like whatever. I was kicking around, you know, and I'm sure they did see some potential. Um, but yeah, I never felt like, why am I not playing? Why am I not playing?
0: Um, although I did feel, uh, you know, at, over time, I, I, I did become ready to play. Okay, um, I've never asked anyone this, but um, the transition from Kuzmina to Elia really mm. um there were some real scars left after that grand final. Mm. Um, and obviously, Cosie going in the way that he went. Yep. Um, it wasn't exactly sort of a nice departure. Mm. Um, earlier, Vidman had been a senior coach. Um, what was the mood like in the camp? Do you remember? Um, long, long way back, I Yeah, think. it
1: is a long way back. You know, I do remember the the sort of the way that it all unfolded wasn't the greatest. I think Ross Aloisi as well. Yeah, um, I just think the fallout from that... Uh, that grand final was massive, mm-hmm. um, you know, the result was obviously huge and I actually wasn't at that game, I was away with Ollie Ruse. I knew I wasn't going to be in the squad at all, um, so I basically stayed with Ollie Ruse and just and played in Hong Kong, I think it was, so I kind of missed a little bit of the turmoil, Yeah. Um, but again, like I really, Ovid Ma was doing a great job as an assistant, he's an Adelaide guy, you know, he deserved probably his opportunity, he was a very different coach, mm-hmm. um, it's always hard, I think, an assistant becoming the senior coach, because... More often than not, the assistants, the one that jokes around with the players, is like more friends yeah, with yeah. the players, and then you go into that senior position, but, you know, I got along with Vidi well, um, he gave me confidence, and gave me probably my first real opportunity to play, and, and we played some very, very good f- football under him as well, so, although there was a bit of a hangover, yeah, um, you know, I think
0: we got got over it and moved on pretty quickly. Absolutely, we'll get into that in a second, I just want to ask quickly, um, are you able to sort of outline the main differences between Cosi and, and Vidi? as coaches because obviously going back a while um the sort of level of coaching uh hadn't really progressed to what it is now yeah um but nevertheless uh you'd still probably assume that they're two very different kinds of coaches yeah they probably are i mean like i said
1: my memory's not great um i can only remember certain things about them when i think of cosy i can just sort of (coughs) excuse me Hard man, very hard man. Yeah, like oh, you know, he'd probably know that I was probably a bit scared of him, um, to be honest. And because he liked to control a lot of different things, he, you know, a lot of the young boys, he would say where that, you know, they shouldn't be living there, or you know, should be living in different area and things like that. And he was on top of it all. Um, you know, video I think, was a lot softer in terms of, um, not softer in like in discipline, yeah. but certainly not that hard edge. Uh, Fear, I didn't have that fear put in me like I did from Cosi and whether that was because he was an assistant and became the senior coach But I remember Vidi taking me for sort of one-on-one training drills uh, to improve either my left foot or my heading and you know He probably should take a lot of credit for the amount of goals I scored because he was the one that taught me how to head a ball properly I suppose. Wow. Um, When I think about it, he he used to cross the ball in from wide areas and you know, a lot of people try to flick the ball and used to tell me, just, you know, pick your head through the ball, regardless if the goal's over there, if you head through the ball, it'll go in that direction. So, he used to spend some, you know, Mm a bit of time after training, He used to just whip in the crosses and I used to just head them into the empty net and...
0: Who knows how much of a, um, you know that helped me. It's always interesting to hear just how much certain individuals impact on careers. But yeah. often it's not something that you know an interviewer asks you straight off. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just going back a few years. It's always interesting to hear. Mm. Um, you know who played a central kind of role in in your progression and development. So yeah. just wanted to uh, put that one to you. Anyway, we'll move right along. So. Epic season for the club, 08-09. Yeah. Um, I just want you to tell us about the memories. You were a massive part of the journey as Adelaide made history by becoming the first Australian club to exit the Asian Champions League group stages before <laughs> becoming famous for the uh, instant redemption you restored for yourself after scoring the winning header against Cashman Antlers the very week after you'd scored an own goal, mm. which had leveled the contest in that dramatic two-legged quarterfinal. That's just one of the... Uh, the many great memories from that season mm. um, I don't know exactly where I want you to start yeah, I mean, recording so everything but yeah. I mean you know we started uh, with a win in the A-League that season I think it was 1-0 at home to Perth Travis Dodd scored mm. and I remember thinking to myself you know we're in a really good position to to Actually, be a surprise packet in Asia, you yeah. know. Like, um, hopefully, we'd learned from the lessons of the previous year. We, yeah. we were the only Australian club going into it for a second time, yeah. Um, so I remember thinking to myself, I was quite confident we could actually do something, yeah. Um, from the moment that uh, we held on against Changchun Yatai mm. in that ridiculous nil all draw, and it was delayed because of an earthquake. I don't yeah. remember, I think we stayed an extra day or something like that. Well,
1: you, you'd know better than I yeah. I, I, I mean, really. like, would I? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I remember, yeah, I remember um, that nil all, and I think uh, I think it might have been Sarkis. Was Christian Sarkis in that song? Yeah, he was he got hit in the face with a yeah. battery after the game. Someone threw a battery and hit him in the face. can't remember if it cut him open somewhere, but there was the earthquake. I think the game was delayed 24 hours. Um, Milan Susak played at left back from memory, out of position. Um, and yeah, we just... That that whole that whole campaign was obviously a bit like the Wanderers when they went on and one. It was built yeah. on a sort of defence that was quite solid. Well, I mean, like you say, I mean, there's so many different things. I popped up on a few occasions
0: with a couple of goals. Obviously, they're very, very memorable. I actually want to take you back a, l- a few games before then. Um, we're away to Pohang.
1: This time it's going to be the in-swinging corner from Lucas Pantelis. Good height on the delivery as well. Free header, the opening goal. Dream start for Adelaide United. And it's Robbie Cornthwaite. So close, a moment ago. This time he has delivered. Well, two set pieces. The first one, nearly a goal for Cornthwaite. The second one, he makes no mistake.
0: It's a decent ball in from Pantelis. The keeper doesn't come. It's a free header. Really unchallenged. The Poe and Steelers coach won't be happy with that. It just guides that pass the goalkeeper and that's a great start for Adelaide United. A firm header from Robbie Cornclay. Mm. and you'd scored a header in that game yeah, yeah. and um, I, I saw you yeah, the club was doing some kind of promo yeah. in London Mall the very next week and I went I saw you under the marquee and I went up to you so much younger and I was like oh Robbie like you know great to me awesome stuff uh, against against Pohang there and you were like oh yeah I guess I finally did something and like you know you had that real sort of humble kind yeah. of like yeah you know we'll see what happens kind of thing yeah. um, but amazing to think that you know that was really sort of you announcing yourself as, yes. as a mainstay in, in not only the squad, but um in, in the Australian football landscape for the next few years. We had a
1: great yeah. side. I mean, I think I scored inside 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes yeah, in well, the corner. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe it was Pantella swooped it in. You did that little celebration. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, um, and then second half, I think, Spaniolo, who's a very good friend of mine now, I was caught up with him before I came in. He had one of the heaviest touches you've ever seen in your life. And it's gone past the keeper. I think Brucey's running and, and tapped it in. I don't think he claimed it, it as being... Yeah, uh, he's he trying to bring it down to out <laughs> the outside of his right. And it's gone about 20 metres, yeah. like a trampoline. So, um, yeah, 2-0, that was where it was sort of started. And yeah. then, um, yeah, as you mentioned, the goal against uh, Kashima away. Travis Travis scored a header in the first half. And then it was I remember it was a really, really wet day. I think it was an in-swinging cross from right-hand side and I've gotten the clear with my left and it's just come off the top of my boot and just like flown into the bottom corner pretty much and, you know, we hung on for a one-all and then to come home and and score the winner. Probably wasn't the best of headers. Kept it down at least. I think he might have skidded it on the keeper. I don't know what he was doing really. He it, it, it was it, a ca- casio ball in. he yeah,
0: didn't come in with a whole lot of pace. He yeah. so really
1: had to like give it as much as he could. Well, as much shit as I've just given Spaniola, he was the one that chased back, put in a slide tackle, won the ball back. And for some reason, in open play, a right back has found himself on the <laughs> penalty spot to nod one home. So I think Trav was playing right wing, Travis. Yeah. I think he might have come inside with a ball. Actually he missed an open goal. And he was, was yeah, so <laughs> he's come inside and he's found himself in the middle of midfield. So I just saw an opportunity to get forward, got forward and yeah. Where I celebrated was right in front of
0: my parents. Like that's where they sat, so that was, yeah, was incredible. Incredible one. Memory. Um yeah. I've never seen. I mean, having gone to Cooper Stadium since the dawn of the A League, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen many nights where yeah. it's been rocking like it was that, that night. Th- but
1: those knockout games against um, felt like Corps, a real European. Yeah, those right. against Bunyad Corps and against yeah. um, and against Kashima, yeah. they were just like massive midweek games, huge mm-hmm. midweek games. And like you say, I remember when we used to travel away, we used to hear about all the pubs and everything was full. Like it was just. Yeah, the whole you know the whole city was just like a buzz, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah fantastic times, and like
0: you know it's been over ten years now. Um, people still talk about it a hell of a lot. They do. Um, that uh, that away leg against Kashima mm. was that the loss you'd felt throughout your entire career at that point? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, Did Vidi talk to you throughout the week? I mean, no,
1: not that I can remember, to be honest. I think it's one of those things where you know, as a player, when you do something like that you almost like I see it in today's sport even in AFL or rugby people make a mistake like that and then people like coming up to them getting around them kept, like just they know what they've done like yeah. they, they know you, how you feel I feel like sometimes like I, I I would and I'm quite sure it happened like I would prefer just people just leave me alone like you know I oh, know what I've done unless you know that person's a bit fragile or something maybe then you need to go to them but Put, I think just leave the person alone. They're a professional athlete. They know they've made a mistake. You know, just get on with it. I
0: suppose. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't <laughs> heard of many cases where someone has um, really sort of redeemed themselves like in that kind of time frame. Like, it was just. I can still remember Andy Arbuckle
1: the and commentary. Oh, it was. Horrible. He was blowing up. He, yeah. w- he needed a drink. His throat was um, His <laughs> throat was gone. Piece of redemption. I think the line was.
0: Redemption for Robbie. Cor- Mate, it was just yeah, I'll never forget it. But um, yeah, no. I do have uh, viewers telling me that um, to emphasise that that one game and that one header, yeah. um, because it was probably yeah. the greatest moment you had in a red shirt. I was yeah, I think day. so.
1: Yeah, uh, I think so. I think. Um, I mean, it wasn't the best game that I played for no, Adelaide. Anyway. No, you know I think it was no, better games yeah. that I played, but I think that header. Yeah, it's probably what people remember me uh, most for. I'm mm. thinking so. No, I'm I'm obviously very proud of that and the proud that we went to the final. And as you mentioned, the same season we went to the A League final, and I thought we were lucky not to win it. Um, Absolutely, you know the red card early on. That that certainly hurt. Uh, inside what ten fifteen minutes, was well, so it you'd been spat on? I got spat on, yeah, by Nate Fabiano Yeah, but I think that was That wasn't the grand final That wasn't like, the grand final yeah. um, not, It was either that season, or the season before or heavily replayed moment though Yeah, I think he got yeah. 10 games yeah. for that yeah, yeah, Got yeah. a straight red. Yeah. It, it went over my head actually yeah. It's yeah. A pretty good, it's spit to get it <laughs> the top of me
0: Robbie Cornthwaite in some strong words And then definitely appeared as though there was some spit from Nate Fabiano Robbie Cornthwaite not happy he just spat in my eyes. Send him off. I think it was the what Robbie Cornthwaite was saying. Um, tell us about the Club World Cup as well. Obviously, um, a lot of people tell me that uh, those that were a part of that squad that um, it was just like next level because FIFA paid for yeah, all expenses. Exactly right. So, so. as a uh, Northern Suburbs boy, yeah. suddenly you're um, you know flying in you know business class, yeah. whatever it was, and staying in five star places. Like was this kind of the moment for you where you were well, like I'm here I've arrived for now. sure
1: yeah. for sure but um you know we wanted to do sort of well in that yeah. tournament I think we played Waitakiri or Auckland in the first game yeah Waitakiri yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so like we was they were the underdog. They went 1 0 up. Yeah, it? so they were the underdog. So we yeah. were kind of like under pressure there, like, oh, we have to win this game or else we're going to be a bit of a failure. And, um, and yeah, in the end, we, we got the result and played Gamba again. Obviously, if we beat Gamba, we would have played Manchester United. And for them to pretty much beat us convincingly in the final, I and mean 5 0 across the two games, and then to only lose 1 0, and then we hit the crossbar. I think it was very, very late on. Yeah. So.
0: I'm not sure if Travis hit the crossbar. Ozzy Malik um, hit one from range. Uh, I think Robbie Eunice. Robbie Eunice.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you remember Robbie Eunice came up across yeah, yeah, from yeah, Bonnie yeah, I think. Yeah. He hit a volley, left a left foot volley, very late on. Yeah. And it just whistled past the top corner like it was seriously centimetres away from going in. Yeah. And, you know, that that's the sort of the margin. Um, we were good value in that game and then yeah we went and played the Egyptian champions and I think Cristiano oh, I mean, scored yeah. an absolute bomb scored one yeah.
0: goal of the tournament goal of the tournament yeah well the lads just hung up about not getting to play Man United as like the media and fans were because there was a big deal made about it A few oh. you guys it was like if it happens it happens kind of thing I think we're so focused on trying a beat gamble, like, yeah.
1: obviously it's a big carrot, a lot of money involved as well, like, yeah. you know, like, you'd be silly enough to think that the players aren't thinking about, you know, it's probably worth it's another $2 million, dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it was all things combined, I think Cristiano Ronaldo was there at the time, so it would have been fantastic to play against them, but, you know, it wasn't to be, um, I think we were just all sort of, like, very happy to be there, taking part, got to a decent enough uh, stage, and, I think if we'd gotten trounced again by Gamba it would have been like disappointing but we were very good value. We could have easily won that game. Um and then yeah, it would have been against Manu. So we, we stayed and watched the Manu Gamba game. It was our uh, like our game against Al Ilal, was it? Ali or whatever uh, it. Yeah. Um they were that was before their game. So we played and then there was like an hour or two break and then they played straight after on the same pitch, so we all hung around, stayed in the stadium and watched them play. I think it was like 5-2 or something.
0: Yeah, um, bit of a hangover the following <coughs> season. Um, Vidi again charged, but uh, things just never really sort of got off the ground. Um, mm. I think it's uh, the period in the club's timeline where the owner, Nick Bianco, uh, put us up on the market and we mm. were um, run by the FFA mm. at the time, but yep. um 9 10 just... Any memories from there? Like uh, you a regular team, but yeah. Um, yeah, we just sort of struggled that season. Didn't yeah, not, not really, to be honest. Yeah. I don't really have any memories
1: from that season. I knew that I know that I signed a, a three-year deal yeah. at the I think at the start of that season. Uh, that was like once I now I've established myself. We've, we've played the ACL and everything like that. So um, finally got myself a, a longer contract than one year, which I was nice. It, yeah, yeah, which was nice. So got the um, got the three-year deal, but there's nothing really. Um, that really stands out uh, from that season, if I'm pretty... If I'm North Queensland have just come in, yeah. the Gold Coast for the first time. Well, obviously, Robbie yeah. Fowler was in the league. Um, yeah. You know, as you have on this show, you have people bringing mementos, and mm. I was tossing up what to bring. I've got a Robbie Fowler Liverpool sh- shirt sign that I got him to sign. I've um, got a few other signed things as well. So, obviously, he was in the league. That was a big season. Um, but, yeah, nothing really jumps out at
0: me from, from that time period. No worries, well um, you remained with the club for a further two seasons during which time you debuted for Australia in March of 2009 against Mm. Kuwait in what was an important AFC Asian Cup qualifying game. Um, now, I know um, retrospectively you've touched on this and sort of mm. um, described how you didn't feel like it was really something to, to get too hung up on because it was an A-League based Socceroos team, mm. but it still goes down as being your um, debut as, yep. as a Socceroos. Um, Had you ever envisioned that you would have arrived there back in the day? No, like, no way. Yeah, yeah just like just, I
1: said, even when I was playing for Adelaide United, I got called up for the Ollie Roos. And I actually wasn't Australian at the time. Oh, I so have citizenship. No, I've spoken about this uh, with the player's voice. There'll be something coming out soon. Yeah. Um, and they basically called me up and said, oh, you've been selected to play for the Olly Roos. And I just said, oh, I'm not Australian. <laughs> they just, um, I don't know how there was an oversight. Uh, but yeah, I didn't have citizenship. So I got it. Um, which you know, I was probably just lazy, the reason I hadn't already got it. Um, and I had to get special permission from FIFA to like be fast tracked. Uh, okay. You know, the Asian Cup just recently, Bussum Awari and um, oh, what's the Qatari striker you were doing the coverage? Malways, uh, Ali, yeah. They basically were the same situation as me, so they moved okay. there when they were young, yeah. They'd stayed there the whole life, they just were, they, were they just had to get the citizenship and then they'd get permission. But they went about it the wrong way, so legally they weren't, you know, meant to be playing. But yeah. I just got the done properly. FIFA was like, yeah, no worries. You're not some guy that's just rocked up to get his citizenship. You can play straight away. So fast forward 2009. Obviously, yeah, got my soccer as debut. But like I said to you, like me personally, I'm sure there's other people out there that that's like the pinnacle of their career. But for me, it had a little asterisk next to it because yeah. it was like an A League based side. It was like a one off thing. You know, even if you scored a hat trick, you'd probably be very lucky to make the full squad. For the, sure. the, the time after. So, yeah, it was nice. Uh, I came off the bench as a striker. Mm. I chested one down actually, the Arch- uh, Mitch Nichols, and he blazed it over on a spewing. laid Nichols. on, laid on. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, it was nice to play, but uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I
0: had aspirations to, to make a full squad, I suppose. Uh, so 2010-11 was to be your last season with Adelaide, uh, Koolan was the manager, do you think we, I know you didn't play out this entire season, but do you think we, um, given how it all started and uh, the run that we'd gone on, uh, that we were in a pretty good position and ended up underachieving?
1: What I remember from Rini is Phil Stubbins was actually in charge at the start, like in pre-season and everything, and everything was going quite well, but um, then Rini came in and, and the season, we started the season really, really well, we were looking um, really good and we kind of just faded away and just yeah in the end it was like pretty poor season like you say we probably should have done a lot better um we still made finals and yeah we still finished um in the top four that season but it could have been a lot more that 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 was one of the years where I thought you know we were probably one of the certainly early on in the season I thought we were very 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 good side um yeah I mean and, and working with Rini I can remember a couple of things um, in particular I probably didn't get along with him all that well I was in and out of the side I think towards the end of the season even I was on the bench a fair bit You
0: um, wouldn't be in a minority of those that say that you didn't yeah. get on with him too well which, yeah. which kind of staggers a lot of fans because we were so good that season but then again it wasn't his squad
1: True but um, I mean maybe that's a sign of a good side that you know they didn't really see eye to eye with the coach or uh, you know agree with some of the things that he was doing and yet um, we still had a pretty successful season like could have been a basket case of the season, then mm-hmm. he finished outside the finals and and all that. So yeah, maybe a credit to the the squad of professional players that got on with the job. But um, yeah, I was I remember being on the bench towards the end of the season a few times, and I think that's. Probably mm. was a surprise when I got the call to go to the K League because I was like, oh, well, I'm not really playing. So, would so that have been Nigel Bogard that took your place? Because we had I don't
0: think Bogues playing. was there when I was there, was he? He was there that season. Was he? Yeah, yeah maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was U Fife, Bogues, um, and I think they brought in a Dario Bodrasic or something oh, Okay, yeah, out. that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I think Bodrasic was definitely playing. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, like I say, it wasn't my best season, and because I had that. I think I still had a year or two left on my contract yeah, so yeah. I was kind of like oh you know well I'll be back here again next year kind of thing
0: and then yeah the move to Korea like literally came up out of the book um, Was that correlated at all to uh, the campaign we'd had in Asia prior to that season starting so we had a um an asian champions league um group stage campaign we didn't mm-hmm. get out of the oh we did actually we got out of the group we and then yes yeah uh Book, was it? we lost to them mm-hmm. um, i scored in um, that game yeah <웃음> <웃음> Was it because I think it was three-two loss? Yeah, we brought it back to 2 all. Yeah, it was a good game. Yeah, yeah, it was a N 10. Cool 10 kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, but that exposure, that brief amount of exposure you had, did that um, did that boost your chance of getting a move in Asia? Which obviously then happened in March of 2011. Oh, I think so. I think like every time we played in Asia, I probably did okay. Probably you, you know,
1: Yeah, I think so. But you know, I've explained. Um, Another time, I can't remember on what, what uh, show I was on, but you know, like transfers sometimes work very differently to what maybe fans think. Like it was basically the club in Korea going to a Korean agent and saying, We want an Asian centre back. Okay, it's then up to him to go and find one. Like they don't say, We want Robbie Cornthwaite, and then he reaches out to all these contacts, probably reached out to one in Australia and said, I need a your best three Aussie centre-backs, these are the attributes, tall, strong, whatever. And he'll say, okay, here's three. Maybe he said me and two others. And then, you know, he's taken that to the club and they've looked at all three and probably just gone, okay, this is the best one. Let's get him. Wow. And I think that's why a lot of the time transfers don't work out because they haven't specifically asked for that player. I mean, that does happen, obviously. It's Mm -hmm. certainly at the top level and even in the A-League, they'll say, okay, we want this guy. But, you know, usually you're choosing from a vast number of players and trying to narrow it down. So, you know, John Lund Dragons didn't say we want Robbie Cornthwaite, we just want this type of player and not just happened to be the one they chose.
0: Um, Did you have any sort of trouble weighing it up or was it a case of like not clear, like move forward for me in my career? Um, Obviously, in uh, in hindsight, you've said how, um, you know, you actually really love the adventurous Mm. sort of aspect of being in such a different place, but um, did it, you know, cause you to really sort of think hard about it or were you just like I'm out of here straight away? Oh, uh, well obviously the financial side,
1: you're like, yep, yeah. get me theres get me on the next flight. Mm-hmm. Um but obviously I was going to a team that I'd never heard of. Um uh, sort of mid to lower table side, small city, there's only like 150,000 people live in the city. Um this is pre Chinese money though, so yeah it's true. the best league yeah. in Asia, Yeah right? I think J League is probably still yeah. slightly better but um you know my whole town, Guanyang it had the second biggest steel factory in the world so the whole town existed yeah the whole town existed because of the factory okay like I could drive from one side to the other in like five minutes wow it was that small no no cinema no McDonald's had like coffee shops local restaurants one pizza hut uh, one sort of like Kmart slash Woolworths Um, and that was it really and the whole team was there for the just because of the factory so they own Posco, uh, Posco they own Pohung as well yeah and that's the biggest steel factory okay. so they both pretty much exist because of the factories oh, wow. um, so yeah so going there I was kind of like whoa where am I going I'm not going to like a big hustle and bustle of like 20 million people mm. um, but in the end the smaller city sort of suited me a lot better um, you get to know all the locals, all the, you know, you go into your cafes and your, your, your restaurants and you get to meet the owners and, um, and yeah, like I said, after four years, probably pretty much knew everyone. <laughs> wow,
0: there you go. Um, so, uh, I want to ask you this. Um, you were sort of one of the first waves of um, sort of big um, Australian centre-halves that, mm. that really um Forge a successful career in Asia, Um, do you think um, you going to Korea was kind of like the opening of a gateway for um, younger Australian players today, Mm. really like considering Asia ahead of even um, prolonging their time in Australia? Because um, obviously like with clubs um, having a a marquee quota, Mm. um, you know, it suits them getting players that aren't coming on huge wages from Australia um, that can really do a a good defensive job um, in a league where physically it's lacking. So, if they can get good defenders in from Australia, it really suits them and um, since you really went, Mm. now we're starting to see um, perhaps the mentality change where where young Australian, particularly centre-halves, are giving Asia a lot more thought than they would have in 2005. Yeah, possibly. Um, I think I think,
1: well firstly I think Sasha was probably the one yeah. that opened the gate a little bit more than, than what I did I mean Sasha was pretty much the first he was done ex- extremely well and you know we played in the same side I'm sure it was then like oh let's see who else is there the year that I went Luke Devere went um, I think Brendan Hamill went or if not soon after mm-hmm. um, and then a few years after that you had Wilkinson you had uh, Madashi uh, Nathan Burns uh, Matt Simon Bosnar um, you had a few Alex Jovanovic who's still yeah. there now he's been there for like 7-8 years mm-hmm. and people have not even heard of him um, playing yeah. for Jeju um, so yeah I think in some ways we all kind of opened the door um, the surprising thing is for me like I, I keep saying like I think players who are better than me or have more talent than me have gone there and not been successful um, so the fact that I've stayed there for so long played I think over 100 games in all competitions um, yeah that's I think that's one of the best achievements of my career just yeah. to have that longevity and even now when I see like you know people go there and do well and they get all these stories written about them, you know like Adam Taggart's on fire at the moment yeah, he is. I know it's different as a striker yeah. um, still that element of being physically yeah uh, I, uh, I like uh, and I see how well he's doing and people message me saying oh have you seen how well Taggart's doing and I think to myself he's only played 20 games mm. like yeah. I was there for four years <laughs> like you <laughs> was, know I must have yeah. done something good yeah, I must yeah, have yeah. done it right you know strong, so man. I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with what I did there and I just loved playing there It was a great league um, Very hard league um, But yeah, obviously Ever since I went to John Nunn And I left in 2014 They've had, they've had an Aussie in the side Every year since there you So go. they've had Mershala for three years They've had Hansel They've had Donaghy um, Matt Simon was there when I was there um, so yeah obviously I've done something right <laughs> for sure
0: for sure um, so in 2012 you scored your first international goal mm-hmm. it's against South Korea um, yeah. did you get any stick when you returned to play for your, your club from any of the teammates that might have been around that, that were a part of the uh, yeah
1: uh, yeah. They, I mean they loved it yeah. I remember walking back into training like the day after because it was only like four hours away um, and they were like buzzing they were <laughs> laughing and clapping and jumping on me they thought it was brilliant but I mean the, the I mean football for me is just like it's so strange. I wasn't in that squad.
0: Okay. Like
1: so they had a game I wasn't in the squad. Yeah. The game I think was on a Tuesday and on the Saturday my team was playing against Inchon in Seoul. Yeah, right. So I think um I think Vidi was an assistant then. Yeah, he was. And yeah. he, he contacted me and said, "Listen, I'm going to come to your game with a couple of other guys to watch you play." thought, like, okay, brilliant. So I played and I think at half-time it was like nil or something like that. And I've come in at half-time and the coach said, oh you're going up front, we're going to put you up front second half. And I was like, oh no, like they've come to watch me and then I'm going to be playing striker. Yeah. So I actually did quite well. I didn't score any of that, but I had a couple, I remember I had a couple of decent touches. Yeah, yeah, so I had a couple of decent touches and um, was doing all right. And after the game, Vidi contacted me and said, mate, you played very well. And he's like, even as a striker, like I thought you did quite well. Um, you know, keep it up. We'll, we'll stay in touch. I said, okay, no worries. And then on Sunday night, I was at home. I was just playing PlayStation. Yeah. And I got a call, and they said, Hey, mate, um we've had a few injuries in camp. Um, a couple of guys have gone down. Do you mind just coming up to Seoul? We've got one training tomorrow and the game on Tuesday. And I said, Yeah, no worries. Like, awesome. Spoke yeah. to my club, and they're like, Oh, you know, it's not the official way to do things. That, and I said, Mate, like, this is a good opportunity. I've got to yeah. go. So ended up going up on the Monday, trained on the Tuesday, and Spiranovic went down, injured. So I'm starting to look around going, like, there's not too many (laughs) center backs kicking about here. And so, the next day at breakfast, match day, pull me aside and they're like, oh, just, you're gonna start. They're like, we watched you on the weekend, you did well. Like, yeah, you're like, you're here a bit different. Yeah. but, yeah, you're going to gonna start the game. So I started, uh, yeah. Edon Gook scored the first goal. He did me, to be honest. Like, he made a run. No one remembers that. Oh, it's so good. And he checked off, and he just scored a simple volley. And then I thought I played well. And then, yeah, like, 91st minute, got a lucky one, ball just trickling across the line, just got a big toe to it. And, yeah, it was just like, so literally 48 hours earlier, I was, like, sitting at home playing PlayStation, and then, the next
0: minute i score in a winner so. do you remember how much I mean you might not have because you weren't in Australia mm-hmm. but um, Fox Sports here milked that so yeah. much like, <laughs> I, think, I think it was something called the B League yeah, at the time as well, yeah. and they, had, well Sam, they had lots of
1: fun yeah well Sam Max's a friend of mine so okay. they, they, they really did a lot for my profile in Australia while yeah. I wasn't here it was not something I asked of them yeah. Um, but yeah I mean they came out with a whole series of things with Messi and Inia, um, Ibrahimovic and myself and yeah it was good fun Um, while it sort of lasted and then um, yeah obviously like I said they gave me a little bit of notoriety
0: for my goal scoring so that was nice that's brilliant mate yeah Um, so you returned home in 2016 after a season in Malaysia signing with the Western Sydney Wanderers you Mm -hmm. got to feature in the uh, Asian Champions League (laughs) with them um, just interestingly as well so you, ne- you never got an Asian Champions League campaign while you're actually playing in Asia
1: no my side um, John I think the highest we finished was sixth or okay. something like that So fiercely competitive league obviously yeah very competitive yeah. and our budget was like small compared to the rest of them yeah. um, so we were mid-table side I think for two years and then probably just above relegation for like two years um, yeah and, and since I've left they're now relegated and they're sort of like bottom half of the second division
0: so there you go right. yeah. um, just so getting back to it so um, yeah it got to feature in the Asian Tanzania campaign with Western Sydney uh, can you tell us in retrospect after playing in the A.C.L. with Adelaide before spending the next five seasons playing in the continent mm. whether the standard in Australia compared to the top level in Asia has drastically risen or do we still have some way to go um,
1: that's a good question I think to the top sides in Asia like you can see like now in China and Japan mm-hmm. some of the money that they're spending even like Korea I mean like John Book who are You know, usually win the Korean League of one of the last four or five seasons. I think they're like their wage bills, like 20 something million. Okay, and they spend double what whoever finished second spends. So they still second, still spending like 12 million. Yeah, so it's a ridiculous amount of money compared to what we're spending. You know what I mean? So, um, I I think we are competitive, I think we have got some great players. I just think we're a little bit tactically naive. I think you know the, the two most successful campaigns, we hear Bozza and all that talk about it all the time. Defensively, we're so frail. Yeah. Um, because we don't have releg- relegation in Australia, we don't have to defend, really. If we lose like 3-0, it doesn't matter. I think when you're playing leagues that have got relegation and, and stuff, you become like tactically a lot better because it's like, all right, we're playing the top side. We've got pretty much very little chance. We're just going to sit back all day. Like you saw Perth Glory did against Manchester United. Mm-hmm. When would yeah. Perth do that in an A-League game? Yeah. Never. No, not Never. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think we go into these Champions League games, like a Sydney FC or whatever. We want to play football, but we just get exposed. Yeah. Um, and I think the year when Wanderers went far, we went far. It, we were like counter-attacking sides. Mm. Sat back, frustrated the opposition, hit them on the break. Strokes are like here and there. Exactly. Set pieces were huge. Mm-hmm. Remember, um, we scored a lot of set pieces. Um, so yeah it's just I do think Asia's ahead um, in terms of training facilities and everything like that yes we can match it with them but I think you know more often than not they're going to have our measure which we've seen recently you know I think Melbourne Victory have lost like 14 out of 17 away Champions League games or something ridiculous like that so and this is supposedly one of our strongest clubs in Australia so yeah Yeah. still got some way to go I think but like um, you know some Fox Sports pundits and that, so like until we get rid of the salary cap and and things like that, you
0: know, it's going to be tough for us. Let's um, (coughs) focus a little bit on your time at Western Sydney. So, obviously, um, you were there, got to experience playing under Popper, who we all know you have a massive amount of respect for. Um, I'm sure you would agree, probably the best coach you've ever got to play under, at at least in Australia. Popper ends up going um, right on the dawn of the uh, 2017-18 A-League season starting mm. and uh, the club uh, after having Hayden Fox there for the first five games, bringing in Yosef Gombau. Now, uh, you never um, were around when Yosef Gombau um, did his thing here in Adelaide, mm. but um, very popular with the fans. Yep. Um, very much probably the the you know most favoured coach that we've ever had in our history here yeah. in Adelaide. Um, but. Definitely didn't mess in Sydney. No, um, I'm fascinated uh, to hear what your experiences were, mm. um, particularly off the pitch. Um, for someone that um, was lauded so highly uh, for what he did with Adelaide, um, some even going as far as to say that he revolutionised the way the game was being played mm. um, in Australia at the time. Why did it just never get off the ground of us in Sydney? Am I going to did get run it? out of Adelaide? <laughs> Is that what you're telling not. me? Is that what you're trying no. to No, I think everyone's um, just no. fascinated by the topic. So. No,
1: listen, I, I, I've spoken about it a few times, and I hope Joseph doesn't think that I'm like attacking him or if he sees any it's of this. Not it's, it's not personal. No, no, it's not personal at all. He'll he, he tell you that we, we never had an argument and we never, like, um, You know, I was always very honest. Mm -hmm. If he asked me something and I disagreed with what he said, I told him. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like I was going behind his back or anything like that. So, um, you know, I honestly believe it was just the wrong person at the wrong time. I mean, the players that were at Western Sydney had been drilled on a certain mentality. It was the one percenters. It was every single minute thing mattered. It was discipline. It was like everything you hear about Tony Popovich, times ten. Like you, you know, there's obviously stories that you can't say. Yeah. Um, and then you get Yossip come in, who was very relaxed on the first day, basically singing a completely different tune. And now I know some people might say, um, you know, players might like that. It was more relaxed. They had more freedom and things like that. But. To follow Tony Popovich, I think, was a very, very difficult thing to do. And I just think some of the things that Josip said were in complete contrast to Popper, and the players believed in what Popper said. So it was very conflicting for a lot of people. For me, who I've openly said, Popper's the best coach I've ever had. Um, He's taught me more about football in 18 months than I learned in the rest of my career. You know, all my analysis about football was pretty much everything I learned from Popper. Um, To then have Gonbow come in and, and so relaxed and have these rules that I didn't really like. And um, yeah, some of his training. I, as a player, even like people watching this, if they play local football or they play local AFL, whatever, you know when a coach puts on a drill and you get oh, it hard, it's not going to work. That's what it was like sometimes, really, with, with Yossip. And then when it's like that, you're like, oh, you know, and it, you just, you just drops. Yeah, he just lost us very, very quickly, and then we were getting hammered. We lost like four 0 against, um, or five nil think, against Sydney, Sydney FC. Yeah. We lost like three or four 0 against Newcastle, and it was I was actually on the bench, yeah. um, and it was just yeah, just just wrong person, wrong time. And I think when he came to Adelaide, he probably had a group of players that were more relaxed. They had more freedom. They're having a lot of fun. Um, and let's not forget his first 10 games weren't rosy at Adelaide either no, no. there was a lot of problems, I remember the players not happy about a lot of things mm-hmm. and I think there was even a, a bit of a crisis meeting where you know, they were playing a high line they were getting caught out, and I think there was a crisis meeting where they, I don't know, this is just what I heard mm-hmm. um, you know, they started sitting a bit deeper and, and then they, went, you know, they shot up the table so, yeah it's nothing personal, I just think it was you know, the, the wrong, his mentality didn't fit the culture of
0: Western Sydney's mentality In terms of the, the football He was trying to get Western Sydney Playing mm. um, you know, was, Were there questions um, over that In regards to whether you had The person to would actually do it mm. um, Did he need to be a little bit More pragmatic in, in how he initially went about Trying to get you guys you know, mm. Playing winning football what, 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 Where was the disconnect Where did it first arrive um, You know
1: uh, just uh, again about Popper, he said a lot of things, and you could question him, but ninety-nine percent of the time he was right. Okay. So when Joseph come in and said, "Okay, let's do it this way," for me personally, I was like, "Well, this other way is better." Like I know this other way, and it's the best way I've ever done it. So now you want me to play spread. <laughs> If we turn the ball over, every time we turned the ball over, the opposition nearly scored. Mm-hmm. I was like, I felt like I had a wave of people running at me. So I was like, well, why are we doing it like this? Like, this is far more difficult. Um, and it wasn't that I was like, oh, I'm not gonna do it. It just, it's very difficult to make that work when you're like, you know of a better way. Um, and just like on coaches, and you're saying maybe it could be more pragmatic, more flexible and that. I don't, I don't think he could, it should have been. If that's the best way that he believed, mm-hmm. Then that's the way it should be done. If I say no, I should, we should do it this other way, and he does it. He thinks his way is better. And then he should do it his way. As a coach, you've got to be so firm in your ideas. Um, and in the end, like Joseph offered me a new deal to stay, I'd accepted that deal. But before I signed it, I got another offer to go overseas, and I felt like um, the point of my career I was at, um, it was a, it was pretty much a, a move for financial reasons. And um, I was going to play for a coach
0: that I knew I would played for him before and I'd been successful. So I mean, because to the naked eye, it would look mm. more like you just wanted to get out of there because you know you were that unhappy. Yeah. They're well, I had
1: things. I had um I do think just before I left, things had changed a little bit. I started mm. to become a bit happier. Mm. Um, things were starting to work a little bit more. Maybe we'd felt each other out and it was kind of like getting to be on the same page and I'd had conversations with Yossip where I'd said listen I'm the captain of the club I said like you know my family's happy here in Sydney I think you know if I was to stay on it'd be good for both of us and and, and he was open to that we, All the I spoke with the club and Josip and we all spoke and yeah it was all agreed that I'd stay on um, I had like I said I had the offer I had the contract and it was literally we played um, I think we played Adelaide at ANZ Adelaide scored yeah, in like the last minute I think Adelaide scored in the last minute yeah. oh, it might saying, have been one or This is when I was there. Yeah, yeah. And then that night, straight after the game, I had a message from my agent said, "Give me a call."
0: Called him, and then I left on Friday. So I left like two days after. There you go.
1: Yeah.
0: Very interesting. Are you able to share anything more from off the pitch with, um, you know, disagreements? I can share
1: disagreements, but I I feel like it might be um, not needed. Yeah, it's not one. It's not needed, but two. This I'm strip sure, TV really. <laughs> I'm sure... Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Listen. I'm sure Yossip still does things that way. Yeah. So I don't want to come out and say I had a massive blow up or... Well, I never had a massive blow up. But I don't want to say I didn't like this. Mm. And then that's the way... If he still does things that way, I don't want to put that thought into people's head of, he you know, oh, he's coming, really, this is yeah. going to be terrible kind of thing. Like I said, he was hugely successful at Adelaide. <laughs> the players loved him. Mm. I know for a fact they loved him. Um, and when I heard he was coming to the Wanderers, people were saying, "Oh, yeah, like it's going to be good, it's going to be yeah. good, it's going to be good." Still, work out. And you see it all over the world, in all leagues around the world. Absolutely. Wrong person, wrong club, wrong timing. I mean, you know, Just if that was in
0: Serie A or something, he would have been gone after the 5-0 <laughs> Yeah, you know? probably. So, yeah. I mean, in a sense, it is a little bit sort of when people talk about was he harshly dismissed after one season? Yeah. You know, it's not like it was completely against the grain of what goes, or, goes on around, no, not around, around
1: the world. In not football, what we're like. really used to in Australia. But yeah. Yeah, no, I wish him all the best. He had a, a difficult year, I think, in India. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, think we've seen him. Yeah. side started to play some better football. Um, not better football, but um, started to win a few more games. And then I'm, I'm quite certain they've kept
0: him on. Yeah. So they um, must be liking him. Yeah. They must be liking the message that he's portraying. So no, I wish him all the best. No worries. Anyway, enough on uh, your <laughs> So you went back over to Malaysia. Um, <coughs> this Sorry. was pretty well um, the last football experience you yeah. had as a professional. Um, mm-hmm. Hung up the boots at a very early age. Um, Tell us how that was. Yeah, it's strange. Like, um, I
1: wouldn't be surprised to see more people hang up the boots at a young age uh, as time goes on. I mean, we've seen recently in the AFL, a couple of guys retire at like 22, 23, just because they can't, you know, mental stress or mental illness or depression, things of that nature. Um, So people are more open about that stuff is one reason. Not the reason why I, I retired, but, I had an opportunity to do some media. Mm -hmm. Um, I was injured. The club was looking to move me on. Uh, All these different factors all playing its part. and I thought, you know, to get my knee better uh, might take me a couple of months. And then I'll find a new club, maybe go back to the A-League. And I just thought, you know, if if I play for another year, I'd rather start my transition into another area. Um, Did some punditry for the World Cup, did the Asian Cup, started hosting English Premier League shows in Mm -hmm. Malaysia. Um, I just really enjoyed it and yeah, since I've retired, I can't say I've missed playing, like I've had a few calls to go and play local league, um, but I'm just not interested to be honest. Um, I went and watched a local league game recently, Adelaide City, my old side, against Campbelltown. And after, I caught up with you know Daniel Mullen and, and uh, Ian Fife was there, and Joe Mullen and Phil Stubbins and Matriciani. Mm-hmm. And it was great to be mixing with those guys again. And I felt that like buzz of like banter, and it felt like you were in the in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I got that feeling. Of, like, oh, this, I, I like this, you know. But yeah, I just think if I was to play and I got injured, it would just be such an inconvenience to my life that I just, I just yeah it's not worth it
0: I mean you weren't you weren't young but yeah. 32 most people just have a perce- perception that um, yeah it should be you know, 35 defenders and, you know yeah. go on forever so well I
1: suppose I'm lucky enough in the fact that um, you know some people need to play yeah people like I have to play Um you know even like when they can't get a league gig then they're mm. like I need to play in the local league and they just You know, I'm happy with where I'm at in my life, I suppose, and to be able to just, you know, say to myself, all right, that's enough, I'm happy to finish now, Uh, I can understand how lucky I am to do that. So, um, yeah, like I said, just enjoying my life back in Adelaide.
0: Did you ever think, like, when you were making the decision that, you know what, I am still at a point where, um, like, you know, you were... Definitely, easily considered one of the best centre backs in the A League before you'd gone Mm. back to Malaysia. Well, I'm being quite honest, and and, you know, it wasn't like a a point in time where people were like, "Oh, geez, he's 37." Like, Mm. you know, he's just clearly, you know, playing for money, whatever it is. Like, you'd gone out at a pretty good time. Mm. You know, when when people um, still had a very good impression of you. did did that ever sort of play a role not really I mean like I'd be lying if I said I didn't care what people
1: thought because uh, you know even playing for Wanderers like it's a it's almost like a disease I suppose like after a game I'd be straight on Twitter straight on Instagram searching my name seeing what people saying about me and it's unhealthy to do that but it's common but it's so common you don't understand like it's almost like uh, players shouldn't be allowed to go on their phones for like five hours after a game or something like that until they've calm down and everything but I actually got to a point where I'd read it but like it didn't affect me at all like I was when I was younger it would really affect me I'd lose confidence over it um, but it probably wasn't as prevalent it wasn't. like to find the comments you know what I mean um, but now you know like honestly I couldn't care yeah. less what people say about me like even when I do stuff for Fox or whatever yeah. You know, people say, Ooh, you know, this and that. I'll just laugh. Like, I honestly couldn't care less. Like, I think it's fun. I think, you think it's, it's funny.
0: Social media hate for being on Fox. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. No, right
1: no, there. no. <laughs> to be fair, I've only had a few things here and there,
0: and I just laugh. I think it's funny. Well, Robbie, uh, it's been amazing having you on the show, mate. Um, fantastic <laughs> to get you in here. Um, clearly a legend. Uh, spent a handful of seasons with the club. Um, there for some of the greatest memories we've had. Um, and and one of the the greatest centre backs Australia's produced in the modern era. So well, that's a big shout, but I'll take it. It's not. <laughs> that's I'll, a big shout. Let us know your comments <laughs> about that one. I'm sure all viewers will agree. Um, Robbie, thanks so much for stepping in, mate. Um, we wish you all the very best in your future endeavours. I'm sure um, there's plenty to uh, look forward to in, in terms of seeing you um, in and around the place um, in a media sense. You've, yeah. you've done some stuff at Fox and. I'm sure uh, things will come together for you soon, and uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of you. But great to have you living back here in Adelaide as a local lad and uh, one of Adelaide United's greatest ever players, Robbie. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for Thanks having me. So I much.
1: really enjoyed it. Thank you. Beautiful.
0: Cheers.